you seem like you're in a real bad mood today. Are you sure you want to do this? Why are you saying that? I'm not in a bad mood. I'm a perfectly, I'm f***ing full of sparkle. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I love it when we get to use a beep in the cold open. <laughs> Patricia, hi. <laughs> well, now you're a real sparkly girl. Before we even started, I counted. You said, I'm in a place at least four times in two minutes. <laughs> I did. I did. Did I change my clothes? I have already changed my clothes. We were one minute into this. And you ripped your microphone out of your ear and you went, I got to change. Well, I got to put on a tank top. I'm already sweating. I was like, well, this is going to be a good one. You came on a good night, everybody. And I run cold. I- I'm always cold. So the fact that I am overheating means I'm in a place. I'm in a place. <laughs> You guys, real quick, join the Facebook group. It's the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. We've got like 13,000 people in there. We're having a really good time, girl. We are also on Instagram at that disappeared pod. Every Friday night, we go live. I get a little drunk. We tell stories. We laugh and we yell at each other. Oh, truth bombs get dropped. Yeah. I feel like we always break major news. We do. It's because we're in the moment and we can't edit it. So we're like, should we say it? Should we say it? And then neither one of us can ever keep a secret. So we just spill it on, on 5 o'clock live. That's That's almost what I just said. And she drinks another sip of her vodka and she continues on. You guys, I want to tell you really quickly, Obsessed Network has launched a new podcast. It's called Crimes of the Century. It's hosted by Amber Hunt. She is also known as the host of the Accused podcast. She's a genius. She's an investigative journalist. And each episode really tells a true crime tale that you have likely never heard before. It's a deep dive into a crime that was huge when it happened, but has been lost to history. And I can't say enough good things about it. We're so proud of it. I love it. Have you listened, girl? Yes. I listened to the first episode. It's amazing. It's totally different kind of podcasting, right? And I love it. It's so smart. Yeah, it's very smart, cool, true crime storytelling. We've got a cool, like, music scape to go with the storytelling. It's just awesome. We're obsessed with Amber, and I think you all should check it out. I think you should, too, and I'm very proud of you. Thank you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm already aging right now. I can feel my Botox wearing off. Let's go. All right, you guys, it disappeared. Season two, episode 13, season finale, girl. Season two finale. We should do something for the finales now. What should we do? Take our tits out? I don't know. What should we do? <laughs> what about, like, faloopadoop? And I just, like, <laughs> plop them up. There you go. Gone at 17 tells the story of the disappearance of Kara Kopetsky. Should I do it? Yeah, you do it. Gone in 17. Gone at 17? (laughs) (laughs) We are doing fucking great today. Gone Gone at 17 tells the story of the disappearance of Kara Kapetsky. Kara Kapetsky, an outgoing, sometimes rebellious 17-year-old, leaves for school one morning and never comes back. There was no sign of Kara, no call from Kara. In the small town where she lives, rumors quickly circulate. They probably thought Kara was a runaway. I was like, no, something is wrong. Police struggle to find any real leads. We've had hundreds, if not thousands, of calls and tips. Then, another local girl goes missing. 18-year-old Kelsey Smith hasn't been seen since Saturday evening. Suddenly, two families are locked in a grisly waiting game. They found a body. The body of a teenage girl. Um, girl, before... 
before we go anywhere, I just have to say, whenever they give us like the time and place, they tell us we're in a state whose initials are M-O. Yeah. And I was like, that's Arkansas, right, girl? Mm, no. <laughs> if you don't learn these, mm-hmm. you're going to start offending some people. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I know. You guys, I don't mean to be rude. I just don't know anything. It's not about them. I'm just a hot dummy. What's C-A? Kansas. Okay, great. See, he hates everybody. (laughs) Guys, we're going back to 2007. We're at May 4th in Belton, Missouri at 7 a.m. I I just have a note about this because we learned that 7 a.m. is when Kara is leaving for school. And I just said, look, I'm an early riser. That is too early, America. Like, I was really thinking about this today. Didn't we used to do this so that kids could be home in time to, like, tend the crops or whatever? Yeah. In most places, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. You early risers are crazy crazy. I have to be dragged out of bed at 7 a.m. So I already think you're a sociopath. I don't need to elaborate on that further. This one's going to be a real warm episode, you guys. Yeah. Real real friendly way to round out the season, if you ask me. So we meet her mom, Rhonda, and she says, Cara wanted to smoke a cigarette on the way to school. So she decided to walk that day. So right off the bat, I'm pissed. Okay, listen, if you know your kid smokes, it's kind of like, what are you going to do to stop them? But like, why is this mom so chill? Well, the thing is, I've thought a lot about this too. Kara is 17. It's one thing if like your 13 year old is smoking. Yeah, you're right. But when they're 17, I certainly am not a fan of anybody smoking. My big issue with this, and you guys, smokers, I know you're going to just all unsubscribe en masse. But like we see the reenactment actor smoking a cigarette Licking it out of her hands, putting it out with her foot and walking away. Who's going to clean that up? <laughs> you guys, especially 17-year-olds, it's your planet. It's bad <laughs> enough. Why? Why do smokers do that? Also, 7 a.m., like waking up in the morning, you're like, ah, let me have a smoke. Also, Christopher says that Kara has picked up several other habits that upset her parents. We had had problems with Kara skipping school. We had talked to her about it, had told her that she probably wouldn't graduate if she didn't get a control on it. I'm sorry. Am I the only one that was raised with an intense amount of fear about shit like this? Yeah. Like skipping school, I've always been afraid of getting in trouble. That's always been like a thing for me. Yeah. Skipping school, I still have nightmares to this day of missing one class and then the next day is the exam that I didn't know about that I fail and I wake up in a cold sweat panting. Yeah, because you and I were the same. Like, I mean, I was a pain in the ass, but I was like a good kid. Like, I didn't do drugs and I didn't drink. Like, I would pretend to drink at a party or something. Full disclosure, I was horrible to my mother. I was a (laughs) wicked, wicked teenager. I really thought you were going to say, no, don't get me wrong. I was a total whore. (laughs) I wasn't. I wasn't. I am a whore now. I was not a whore as a child. No, I wasn't. I was a really good kid, you guys. I never got in trouble. I never did anything wrong. Don't get me wrong. I was a total fucking whore. was not. Oh, God. Just like two or three at once. Just however I could get it, I would take it. My mother listens to this podcast. Mom, I was not a whore, I swear. We also don't sex shame and we don't actually use the word whore for real. Okay, back to Kara. Kara always had a mind of her own. Even as a little girl, both Kara's mother and her stepfather, Jim, believe that Kara's recent rebellious behavior is part of normal adolescence. Teenagers are dicks. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I get it. They're testing their limits. They're testing their boundaries. We get the Kara backstory. And like, I gotta say, Kara has a a very strong look. Like, she was a beautiful young woman. Yeah. She was a beautiful child. She was one of those, like, five-year-olds who looked like she was 21. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we see her, like, she was an awesome kid, like, raised in the 90s. And, you know, she was just fun. And the home videos are always so fucking 
fucking heartbreaking because you know, like, if they're on this show, probably it didn't go great. We'll see. I don't know. So we meet her stepdad, Jim. And remember, her mom's name is Rhonda. So at about 8 a.m. on May 4th, she called and asked me to bring her a book she had forgotten here at the house and to wash her work uniform because she had to be at work at four o'clock. And she says, hey, mom, I know I said I didn't need a ride and I was going to smoke a cigarette and I was a dick, but also <laughs> can you wash my work uniform because I work at Popeye's at four. Could you wash my uniform and get it to me? Also, I left my book at home. If you could drive that in. Is that how this is going to go? Because Jim, the stepdad, who I really like, he goes, as Cara neared the end of her junior year and started growing out of the terrible teens. Terrible teens. I've never heard that expression, Ellen. I remember when when Daisy was in the terrible twos and I thought we were almost done and then I heard of three-nager. Yeah. And I was like, it persists? Yeah, it does. And now we learn about the terrible teeth? Yeah. For a woman, it starts at about two uh-huh. and goes to like 19. Uh-huh. For a man, uh-huh. it starts at birth and goes to death. <laughs> so that's how you can gauge it. You guys, it sounds like we wrote that joke. I swear we didn't. She just lives with this kind of anger all the time. It just, it's so easy for her. But also she's right. Men are the fucking worst. Get it together. Yeah, get it the fuck together. And also teenagers, stop being horrible to your mom. I was so horrible to my mom. Mom, I love you. I'm so sorry I was horrible. Oh, I love your mom so much. Oh my, is Daisy going to be horrible to me? No, 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 no. Girls are horrible to their moms. They're not horrible to their dads. Even if I am basically her mom. Oh, that's a good point. That is a good point. I will think on that. So (laughs) her mom dutifully does it. She drops off the book at the office. She throws her uniform in the wash and she goes to work. Now, her stepdad works early in the morning and is home early in the afternoon. And so he gets my kind of job. I don't know what he does, but if I didn't do this, I'd do that. Yeah. So he gets home. It was right around three o'clock and I noticed that Cara wasn't at home. So I called and asked, hey, hon, where are you at? And she didn't call back. So Jim's like, that's weird. I know she's got to be at Popeye's at four. So Jim swings by the school. No one's at the school because it's a Friday and everyone's like, peace out. Can I just say this about Jim? We don't know how long Jim and Kara's mom have been married. He really, really loves her. I don't know if he like raised her or if he's like a new stepdad. No, he's not a new stepdad because there were pictures of her when she was little with him. With him? Yeah. So Okay. So he's been around her whole life. He's her real dad, you know? Yes. And like, I love how much he loves her and it fucking breaks my heart. No, I know. So stepdad Jim swings by the school. He swings by Popeye's. I went ahead and drove to Popeye's Chicken and spoke to her manager. He was expecting car. He says, no, we needed her tonight. And she hadn't called in. And I stayed there and talked with him until about 4.20. There was no sign of Kara, no call from Kara. So he stays there till like 4.20 and there's still no sign of her. And then Rhonda <laughs> tells us why she has a job. Kara is me. Like I had my first job when I was literally 12 years old because my family was poor. Rhonda, the mom was like, Kara needed money because she loved to shop and she loved junk food. <laughs> she needed to support her Cheetos and Mountain Dew habit. I could get behind that. I support it. Listen, whatever gets you to work. So Rhonda is actually not messing around Mm -hmm. when they realize that she's not at Popeye's because they're like, dude, she loves to work because she loves money. She loves junk food and she loves shopping. They start driving around the neighborhood looking to her. Then Mother Rhonda sits down. She's like, you know what? I'm going to call everyone on her cell phone bill. I was like, that went from zero to crazy a little bit fast, right? It did go really fast, but I love, too, that Kara's cell phone bill is 100 pages long. (laughs) Kara's phone bill is almost 100 pages long. Yeah, I was like, do not 
phone shame her. Let her live. She's got correspondences <laughs> to keep up with. But the mom, are we allowed to call a grieving mom a down bitch? Is that okay? She's a down bitch. Yeah, you can call her a down bitch. She's such a down bitch. She calls every single person on this 100-page phone bill in 15 minutes. She's got answers. Everybody gave me the same answer now. I believe it was about 5 o'clock. We decided to call the Belton police and report car missing. Yeah, they say by 5 p.m. they decide to call the police. And I had to, like, rewind to be like, are we in Breckenridge? Like, how did this all go so fast? You guys, we're training a new editor. His name is Bob. Henry had to go have a life. And so Henry is training him. And Henry texted me today. And he's like, I don't think Bob knows anything about what you guys are talking about. Welcome, Bob. Welcome to the crazy girl. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, baby. Grab a seat, grab some popcorn, and stay a while. And if you got a minute, look up Breckenridge Girl, because they call the police real fast there. You're going to hear about it a lot. <laughs> now, I'm not shaming Rhonda. Rhonda is my kind of girl. Like, how many times, yeah. ballpark it for me. How many times do you think when Lola is a teenager, I am going to call the cops? Zero. She's never going to do anything that's going to make you call the cops. Okay. Can someone screen record that and just text it to me? <laughs> she's going to be terrible to you because it runs in your family, apparently. Right. But she's not going to run away. You know what I mean? She's not going to be the whore that you admitted to be. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty different. <laughs> Number one, I have this image of Rhonda sitting at the table, pouring over the bill, calling all the friends and just like mumbling to herself like, oh, she's on the phone a lot. Yeah. Is this by the minute or like, oh, how are we, uh, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff, how do we pay the phone bill? Do we have unlimited on this thing? So listen, Rhonda's not messing around. She calls the Belton police and the Belton responds to the call and they take the report. An officer from the Belton police department responds to the call. But Jim and Rhonda don't think their daughter's disappearance is being taken very seriously. Okay, this already pissed me off. They kind of (laughs) shove her aside and say, oh, like, she's probably mad or upset. She's being a teenager. Now, Rhonda explains to us that they previously have called the police on Kara for running away. On Kara's 16th birthday, Rhonda grounded her daughter for skipping school. Kara stormed out of the house and was gone all night. She returned at 7 the next morning. But by then, Jim and Rhonda had called the police. On her 16th birthday, she was being a little asshole. She skipped school. <laughs> Listen, teenagers, I'm not shaming anyone. I know. But like teenagers can be the worst. And I'm raising my hand and saying I was one of them, though I never skipped school. Never. God. Also, I kind of like low-key loved school. I like I really did. <laughs> Me too. I totally loved school. <laughs> also, I think because we like grew up poor, we were like reared to appreciate things in a different way. Totally. I fully enjoyed the cafeteria food. I was really into I was like the chubby, nerdy gay kid, but I had a ton of friends. I loved school. Yeah. Drama club was involved with school. I was all in on school. Drama club. Everything revolved around drama <laughs> club. So the backstory to calling the Belton police was on her 16th birthday. She skipped school and got grounded for skipping school. And then she was like, she kind of got pissed. She kind of got mad. She said, no, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. It's my birthday. This isn't fair. So Rhonda and Jeff have called the police to ask for their assistance one other time. So this is where I have 80 million things to say, and this becomes a 12-part episode. Right. Go for it. We're here. Listen, what are they going to do? Fast forward? Go ahead. Yeah, try listening to me on double speed. See how that goes for your driver. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So she leaves at like yeah. four in the afternoon, doesn't come back until 7 a.m. the next day. Absolutely not. This is some shit Daisy's not going to want to try to pull with me. No. Not in my house, girl. No. So that's number one. Number two, it's such a double-edged sword because the cops are saying, you know, we're not going to take this actual serious situation seriously because you did the right thing and called us and made us go out looking for your 16-year-old kid who was missing for a day. So are the cops saying, like, don't call us in emergencies because if it escalates, we're not going to believe you? Right. I totally agree. And here is the bottom line. I'm going to bottom line it. Pull over. I'm going to bottom line it. (laughs) Don't argue with a mother's intuition. I was sure that Cara didn't run away because Cara had started to mature. She had started to move away from a group of people that she had been hanging around with. And she had plans for the future. Rhonda was like, this is different. She didn't need to justify her feelings or her gut reaction. When you birth a child, it is a science. You then immediately upon exiting the hospital, you have the ability to detect bullshit. You know when your kid doesn't put on their seatbelt. You know when they're lying. You know when they didn't eat. When you hear noises outside the house. When someone is a bad influence. Where the cheapest detergent can be found. It's called mother's intuition. And she felt it. She felt something was wrong. And I just don't think she had to give any reasons for why she wanted the police's help. I totally agree. I'm going to also say as a father and adoptive parent, I don't think you have to birth the child to know them like that. But I agree. Like, And, you know, to me, it was like an unintentional cautionary tale of like, don't call the cops if your kids run away and they're gone for 24 hours. Because if you do that, when they actually run away and you really know something's really fucking wrong, they're not going to believe you. They're going to hold it over your head. So we meet this investigative reporter by the name of Russ But one investigative journalist develops an immediate interest in Kara's case. 48 hours after Kara's disappearance, Russ Patasek travels to Belton to talk to the Beckfords. I can't say his last name either. He is a silver fox for days. This guy is so hot. I literally wrote investigative reporter, silver fox. That's, <laughs> it is actually on my screen right now. So 48 hours later, Russ. <laughs> it's that thing where you have like two consonants in a row in a name and it's impossible to say. The actual spelling is P-T-A-C-E-K and they say it over and over again and I still can't remember what it is. How do you say P-T? How do you say that? Like you know, pterodactyls starts with a P and the P is silent. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. The P shuts the fuck up in the word pterodactyl, as it should. Something you don't do very often. Um, <laughs> you guys, I'm really, I'm really a little crazy today. Yeah, I think it was me. I think I started us off on a really, really, we came in at a 10. We honestly, there's nowhere to go when you start at a 10. This is the thing, you don't rein me in, so then I fly away. <laughs> uh, what am I going to rein you in, please? Your husband tried to do that. We saw how that worked out. I'm not going to let you divorce oh, me. Oh, that would be so sad. You are literally giving me a toothache. Okay. Um... <laughs> So this reporter, Russ, he's just saying that, like, no one was paying attention to this, but I was. I was really interested in this story. She obviously also wasn't a runaway. Like, she's a teenager. She left all the shit in her room that any teenager can't be away from for more than 20 minutes, right? Totally. He does not know what the word for cell phone charger is. He's like, she left her iPod and that thing that connects the cell phone to the wall and... like, girl, Russ. But so he's just saying that, like, no one was looking into this. I'm on the case. I'm going to do what I can. We got a call into the newsroom telling us that uh, a teenager had disappeared from a small town south of Kansas City, and we immediately started checking into it. There were enough quirks that it didn't seem like a runaway. 
Reporter Russ is for sure on the family side and he wants to find this girl. He really cares. Yeah, yeah, he really does. So remember, this is a super small town, Belton, and Detective Spears (laughs) says... We actually have access to the surveillance system that the schools have. And we immediately started going back through those cameras to track Kara through school that day. I was like, no, my dude, that's what it's for. <laughs> he acts like they had some like really right. We had access. <laughs> and so the cops go to the school, they get the surveillance video. We watch it and it's kind of crazy to see it. It makes me crazy because Christopher says over and over again, referring to the surveillance video, that it was haunting or ghostly. And I was like, no, girl, the word is grainy. It's just yeah. grainy, <laughs> shitty footage. Yeah. It's not ghostly, girl. It's grainy. I think you read your copy wrong. Like, it's just like, it's not ghostly. Christopher, did you read your copy wrong? <laughs> You're cute. Whoa, strong accusation. So I got ID to send me the raw session tapes from 2010. Let's take a listen. Yeah, okay, Christopher, pick it up with the next one. Sure. A grainy image of her was found in the surveillance tape. Yeah, that's not really working for me. Can you make it more haunting and ghostly? Oh, yeah, sure. A grainy image of her. Yeah, no, uh, more. More ghostly. Okay. A grainy image. Yeah, no, that's just terrible. Guys, do you want me to just say ghostly? Oh, my God, that's brilliant. He's just going to say ghostly. We need to do better. We can barely see her face. Everything is pixelated. And we just see her, like, we're told she's leaving the girl's bathroom. She's walking to the exit of the building because she's about to skip class. And we see her stop. Like, she's talking to some other girl. And we later learn that Kara is just trying to get this other girl to skip class with her. Yeah. And I'm like, Kara! Yeah. Let her go to English, girl! And then she, like, sort of wanders off. And that's the last anybody ever sees of her. A ghostly image of her is caught on a surveillance camera in the hallway. As she leaves the frame, she literally disappears. Okay, this is where I'm going to start sweating. So then (laughs) this is where... You've been airing out your armpits every three minutes since we started. What do you mean start sweating? (laughs) I'm not even a sweater. I'm really not. So Rhonda then says she suspects Kara's ex-boyfriend. Kara had become attracted to kind of the bad boy. He had dropped out of school and he just was kind of a bad influence on Kara and we weren't real thrilled that they were together. He was the bad boy. He dropped out of school. And let's talk about him. So we learn about it from Russ, the hot reporter, who basically says, well, I'm getting to the bottom of this shit. We find out that days before she went missing, Kara and her mom had filed a restraining order against Kara's ex-boyfriend. So we learn in the filing for this restraining order, we learn that this ex-boyfriend had kidnapped her, restrained her, choked her, and threatened her with a knife. So this is what reporter Russ is telling us. Right. And I I actually saw the actual restraining order online written in her handwriting, and that is almost word for word what it says. So I'm going to come down on the parents for a minute. Between whenever the order was put into place and the fourth, when she went missing, the last time she was seen was the fourth. There was a fuck ton of people who let this girl down because she did not feel safe. And it was up to the police, the school, the parents, her friend. It should have been everybody's part time job to protect this girl until she was able to have her trial against a predator. He put a knife to her neck. This was not on ID. He put a knife to her neck and said, I'm going to fucking slit your throat. I'm not trying to come down harshly on these parents because obviously they're victims too, but people let this girl down. Clearly she needed help and protection and she did not get it. 
So this Russ the Hot Reporter tracks down the piece of shit ex-boyfriend to like get a statement and we see it on the show. Russ is able to find the ex-boyfriend himself and speak to him directly. I showed him the restraining order and I asked him, you know, what was up? He acknowledged they had a uh, troubled relationship, um, but said he'd never hurt her. I don't know anything about where she is or about what happened. Very cool. He says the cops interrogated him for several hours and that they gave him the lie detector test, which the police department confirmed that they did give him a lie detector test and he passed it. This is the last we see of right, his boyfriend. And, yeah, I have a lot of information coming up on him later in the episode. So now it's May 17th. It's two weeks after she's been missing. There's been no leads. And then all of a sudden, 40 miles away in a town called Lewisburg, there's been an apparent sighting at a Burger King. Suddenly, a call comes in. A gentleman called, said that he had saw a flyer of Cara and had seen her in a Burger King in Lewisburg, Kansas. And the mom is like freaking out. The mom is so excited. She's like, I think we found her. Maybe she actually did run away. This is where, girl, I don't know how we stay friends with I- Christopher after this. I really don't. <laughs> I know. I really don't know what we do. Christopher, tell me what to do. I want to love you. I know. I know. It's 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 going to be hard moving forward. I, Go on, tell them. I know. Christopher tells us. Belton police officers travel to Lewisburg, but due to a fluke, they're unable to confirm the sighting at Burger King. The surveillance cameras there were not working that day. Christopher, it's not a fluke, girl. It happens all the time. It's like a condom with holes. <laughs> Pretty useless if they don't work. <laughs> wow. I know. I didn't even write that. That just, that just. But it's like, Christopher, I don't appreciate you explaining this as though it doesn't happen all the goddamn time. Yeah. You're so busy calling her ghostly on that other video when what you mean to say is grainy, girl. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I think I must have had my phone in my pocket. I think I butt dialed in. Did I call you? Then why are you coming for me? Christopher, I love you so much. I know it's not your fault. I know it's, it's not, not your fault. fault. But we need someone to blame. And you're the only one we know yeah. over there. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be on you. God damn it. So there's no surveillance cameras. But from the witnesses, we do know someone matching Kara's description was at this Burger King and she wasn't alone. Right. The woman identified as Kara was apparently not alone. A young man was seen with her. Police are able to create a composite image of him based on descriptions. So they ask all of these witnesses to make a composite sketch. Of the person she was with. Of the person she was with. And in the history of composite sketches, there has never been anything as utterly terrifying as this composite sketch. It is literally looking into my soul. It can see all of my secrets. The thing is, I feel like this person would be pretty easy to find because he has square ears. (laughs) I was like, wow. You guys just like let the square ear guy come in and just order takeout at the Burger King and sit down. And I love that they interviewed like eight people for the composite and every one of them was like, and weirdest thing, his ears were square. Yeah, and they, they were fully right angled square. Square ears? Yeah, square ears. <laughs> like a square, like four sides, four equal sides. Yeah, like a square. Oh, one more thing I forgot to mention. The guy's fucking ears were square. <laughs> Never seen anything like it in my life. So there were lots of sightings all over town in Kansas. So much so that someone said someone matching Kara's description was working at a grocery store as if Kara just like moved 20 minutes away and got a job at like a Rite Aid. Like, no. Listen, I would be like, well, there's no way that happens except for you, Michelle Whitaker. I'm sorry that I always have to bring it up, but that's what you did, girl. I, I know. It happened. I know. So they go and they say, yeah, no, that's that's not her. But when Captain Spears visits the store, he finds he's got a case of mistaken identity on his hands. 
there's a girl that looks remarkably like Kara that works at a price chopper in Lewisburg. And she actually has a friend that actually looks like the composite sketch. So everyone that had seen her at the Burger King and all around town were obviously seeing this girl that resembled Kara. But like really looked like her. And right. that's what's so creepy about it. You know what I mean? Right. Because Kara, as I mentioned earlier, Kara is a very distinctive looking person. Totally. I've never seen a person in my life who looks like Kara. Except for Krista Rodriguez, <laughs> I think looks a little like Kara. It's like you just... So I don't know. I guess I have seen one person. I love Krista Rodriguez, by the way. I know. She's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh my God. And she's so fucking talented. I know she's God damn it. God damn it. No, she's amazing. So Rhonda says <laughs> there weren't any really strong leads. It was basically like Kara vanished into thin air. It was as if she vanished into thin air. And just as I was getting off my couch to kick over my accent chair, <laughs> Rhonda says. And we all know that people do not vanish into thin air. Yeah. And we all know people don't vanish into thin air. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it was so funny because she said that and I was like taking off my earrings. I was like, oh, hell no. And she was like, I got you, Ellen. I got you. People don't disappear into thin air. Also, the thing that is really weird, we have some episodes where every family member is hysterical, like how I would be, and some where nobody sheds a fucking tear. I know. And this is one of those episodes where like, this is not the only disappearance we're going to get to. I know. I know it feels like this episode is seven hours long and we still have a major character you haven't even met yet, you guys. I know. <laughs> Weird. I'm like, oh, I have 28 pages of notes left. Okay, here we go. Let's go. Let's get on this crazy train. <laughs> Strap down your titties, girls. Long way to go. So here we go. So it's June 2nd, 2007. We're in Overland Park, Kansas. It's about 20 miles away from where Kara went missing. And it's exactly one month after Kara's disappearance. And another local girl goes missing. And guess who's here to tell us about it? Garbage Matt Lauer. In just a moment, the frantic search for Kelsey Smith. The 18-year-old girl vanished in Kansas on Saturday evening. Can we go back through and remove Garbage Matt Lauer from all of these, like, news appearances on these shows? And while we're at it, can we get rid of Geraldo? Oh, don't get me started on Geraldo. We just did a thing on True Crime Obsessed where I was like, fucking Geraldo's back. But it was in the 70s and he looked really good. Oh, I do not think so. That predatory mustache is a pass for me. Absolutely not. So this is crazy, you guys. All right. A month later, as Patrick said, an 18-year-old girl by the name of Kelsey Smith goes missing. Her and Kara are similar in look and stature and age. They live about 15 miles. Like, this is so eerie. Yeah. We meet their parents. Her dad, Greg, is a police officer. So when they go missing, they know exactly what to do. They file the missing persons report. The dad does everything right. Of course, he's on the inside. We find out that she was shopping at a Target. So they go back to the surveillance camera. Which we see. This is why you got to watch. Oh, the episodes, my- you guys, like we see oh, the surveillance video. Right. So this is crazy. They have the surveillance of her shopping in Target. There is this guy that looks like he's sort of following her, not intently following her, casually following her. Just like wherever she is in the store, he's also in shot of the security camera. Oh, my God. It's so crazy. I know. So she goes missing and they try and find Kelsey's car in the Target parking lot. So I was on the phone with them telling them, don't touch anything. Stay away from the car. There's trace evidence in there. Don't don't mess with it or we could lose an important piece of evidence to find Kelsey. They call the police to search the car because the dad, Greg, is like, this is too close to home. If there's something bad in there, I don't want to open the car. They call the police. Greg and Missy hold their breath as the trunk of Kelsey's car is opened, but there is nothing inside. However, several items left in the car 
lead police to suspect foul play. The car doesn't reveal anything. Everything is there, her purse, her wallet. So this is what really catapults this story to national news outside of the target. This is broad daylight. And this is the surveillance video that we see. So they looked at the surveillance video inside and now they're looking at surveillance video of the parking lot, but like it isn't really of the parking lot. It's kind of of the entrance area to the store. And we can only see this because the car was parked close enough to the entrance that in the periphery of the shot, you can see see her unloading the shit into her car. But if she had parked farther out, we never would have seen this. Yeah, exactly. Target, put cameras all over your parking lot. <laughs> They're the size of 10 football fields. I know. They're huge. So we see her put her stuff in the passenger seat and then go around to the car and we see a blur of a man scooch in, push her into the car, forcing her into the car, and then drives away with her in the car. You know, the video was grainy. It wasn't clear, but you had a vague idea of what the suspect looked like. And as you mentioned, this is broad daylight. This is two in the afternoon, you guys. It's like no one is ever safe anywhere. Two in the afternoon. It is bananas. And again, go watch it because these surveillance images are so bad. And like, why can't we see better? But you just see this guy like, he's crouching down next to a different car and then just pounces on her and forces her into the car. And then like he gets in the driver's seat and drives away with her. So it is because of this video that the FBI is able to get involved. I mean, it became a huge, huge thing. There were over 18 law enforcement agencies, federal, state, and local, involved in her search. Over 200 detectives from different departments that were helping trying to find her. So it was just an amazing effort. So the FBI gets Kelsey's phone and finds the pings with the towers of where the phone is. It turns out the phone is at a standstill in Longview Lake. And so they go and investigate and they find a body. And this is where Ugh. this whole thing becomes unfucking bearable because yeah. the body is not immediately identifiable or at least if it is, they don't tell anybody. Like, they're saying that where they found this body of a teenage girl that, by the way, had been raped, sodomized, and strangled to death was 20 minutes from where Kelsey had been last seen, but close to where her cell phone was, but was only five minutes away from where Kara lived. So both of these young girls had gone missing. It could be either one of them. And now, you know, the medical examiner has to figure out which one it is, and both families are just, like, sitting in hell at home by the phone waiting for the phone to ring. I literally have chills right now. Look at my arm. Every time the phone would ring, everybody in the room would tense up and just say, this is it. This is it. Um, It turns out the body of the teenage girl that was found was indeed Kelsey Smith. And, you know, we hear Jeff, the dad, say there was no joy for that mother to hear that it was another mother's daughter. It was somebody's loved one. And ideally, you don't don't want to hear any news of that kind. Don't want it to be anybody. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. But here's where their ears perk up. They say, okay, is this the same person doing this? Is this like a serial type of situation? Right. So they were looking for the guy who was following her around the target and they follow him through surveillance footage. And they say they find his fingerprint on the seatbelt of the driver's seat from Kelsey's car. The biggest piece of evidence is they found the perpetrator's fingerprint in Kelsey's car on the driver's seatbelt. The only way it could be there is he had to be operating the vehicle. He had to put that seatbelt on. That's what I said. Like, you're going to commit a 
crime, sir. <laughs> Don't forget your own goddamn safety. Buckle up. So the suspect is 26-year-old Edwin Hall, and he is arrested for Kelsey's murder. But obviously the main question for authorities and for Kara's family is, was he involved in Kara's murder? So they cross-reference the evidence between the two girls to check it out. So July 23rd, 2008 in Overland Park, Kansas, Edwin pleads guilty to the kidnapping, rape, and murder of Kelsey Smith. And let me just say this. You know, we see his trial and yeah. he's fucking crying. I know. Like, I know. Like, if I were a judge, I would add 10 years for every fucking tear totally. you shed. Like, I know. Is that one? Yeah. Is that one? Great. 10 more fucking years. So the reporter is still not convinced that these two cases of Kelsey and Kara are not connected. That should just be said. He's staring at us with his beautiful blue eyes and he's like, I just can't make it make sense. Yeah. He's like, they're so similar. They have to be connected. And it's like, what he's saying does make sense. The two young women live so close to each other. They look so much alike. You know, like it does seem like they would be connected but like even more terrifying the idea that like two separate people are out there killing young women is too scary to even yeah, think about. Absolutely. So two years later on October 29th, 2009 in New York, New York, there's this weird side story where a Jane Doe was found in New York. They think it was her. It was a young girl with amnesia. Yeah, she's not dead. They call her a Jane Doe, but that makes it sound like she's dead. She's not. She just doesn't know who she is. Right. She was a girl with amnesia. I mean, when you see the pictures, I was like, it doesn't I, look anything like It her. doesn't look anything like her. But they still ran her DNA and her dental records. I feel like that was torture for the family. Because Hot Russ was like, Oh my gosh. Well, when this girl shows up on the streets of New York, the headline is essentially Kara Kapetsky found. I kind of was like, Okay, it's obviously not her. Right. They return her to her family in Washington State. How did this girl get to New York? Yeah, it, it's a very, very weird side story. I feel like at ID, they were like, We got like three more minutes to fill of this. Anybody have anything else? <laughs> What about that Jane Doe that one time? I want a musical about her life. What's her story, girl? Jane Doe? Yeah. Jane Doe, Jane Doe, where do you go? That sounds like, what does that sound like? That sounds like something. I can never make up a song without it sounding like another song. I love the three missing atheists get a rock musical, but Jane Doe gets a ballad, yeah. girl. J- yeah, it's Jane Doe, it's like very Dolly Parton. Jane Doe, Jane Doe, where did she go? She went from Washington to New York. Say New York so it rhymes. Oh my god, that was such a random little side story, wasn't it? I really feel they just had five more minutes. They're like, this story's fucking crazy, but you know what? It tells itself kind of fast. Anyone got an anecdote? <laughs> you know what? You know those two kids who do that podcast? <laughs> they'll think of something funny. They'll make it. They'll make it funny. They'll do a musical or something. I can't stand them. Do you know how loud they are? I know you gotta. You gotta. You gotta turn it down. You gotta turn it down to stomach them. So loud. I'm gonna write an iTunes review about how loud they are. <laughs> So at the end of the episode, like, we still don't know where Kara is. But, you know, that was almost 10 years ago. So we've got some answers, right, girl? We've got some answers. Okay, here we go. I took a dive today. We should get, like, make a theme. you like, da-da-da-da-da-da, side goog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Can we please totally. do that? <laughs> All right. I have a side goog song. Right. I got a side <laughs> goog for you. <laughs> No? Okay. That's great. So Kara's ex-boyfriend was a piece of shit by the name of Kyler. Remember, he's the guy from the beginning with the restraining order and like yeah. kidnapped her and restrained her and held a knife to her neck. That guy. I feel like the episode was like, well, he definitely didn't do it. So let's move on. Yeah. The cops were like, you didn't do it. You didn't do it, you say. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, 
You guys come down so hard on cops. Okay, well, listen, if I don't sing the right notes in a Broadway show, I get fired. If you don't, like, arrest the bad guys, you should get fired. Again, I say this is how she gets. I have no control over it, you guys. We're just here. This is how she gets. Okay, so Kara's ex-boyfriend was a piece of shit by the name of Kyler. Now, he said that he hadn't heard from Kara since the day before she went missing. Remember, she went missing on the 4th. He said the last time he heard from her was the 3rd. A simple exploration into Kara's phone records would reveal that was a lie. I love that he's like, you know, they might look at the phone records, but that shit's 100 pages long. They'll never find that call. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't say this on the episode. Yeah. So Kara called Kyler at 9.13 a.m. on May 4th. He called her back at 9.20. The surveillance from Belton High School showed her exiting at 9.19. So she probably got the call back and walked out the door. That's exactly what happened. So why is she taking his call? Yeah, because remember, she technically had a temporary restraining order against him. So she actually called him. Yeah. She called him at 9.13. He called her back at 9.20, neither of which should have happened. But here is where I take major issue. Follow me on this journey if you will. Yeah. On January 22nd, 2011, an anonymous woman contacted the police and told them that Kyler confessed to choking and killing Kara and said he disposed of her body in the woods. February 2nd, 2011, another woman called and said that Kyler confessed again. Now, if you're keeping track, that is twice within a 10 day time frame to killing Kara. On August 19th, 2011, Kyler's ex-girlfriend, who was pregnant at the time, told police that Kyler had tried to choke and kill her. And he also repeatedly told her that he killed ex-girlfriends in the past and he would do the same to her. Okay, here's where it gets crazy again. So on September 8th, 2016, 21-year-old Jessica Runyons attended a party with her boyfriend and his friend Kyler. Witnesses said that Kyler was drinking heavily and Jessica was last seen that evening leaving the party to give Kyler a ride home. She was never heard from again. In April 2017, a mushroom hunter. I don't have the energy to go into what a mushroom hunter is. I don't have the energy. A mushroom hunter found two skulls and the bones in a wooded area of Belton. They were the remains of Jessica Runyon and Kara Kopetsky. So this dirtbag killed both of these girls like years apart, but like put their remains in the same place. In the same place. And Kara was finally laid to rest 10 years later, September 2017. So this is where I take issue with this whole story. This girl, Kara, was in an abusive relationship, right? Domestic abuse can happen to anyone. It doesn't discriminate. Same-sex partnerships, heterosexual relationships, it occurs in all ages. She was 17 years old. So I have to say, if you or a loved one are a victim of domestic violence, please contact your national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233 for confidential assistance. If you are unable to call, you can text Love Is to 22522. And I can't get over, I'm not blaming the parents, I'm not blaming anyone, but I can't help but think that this little girl could have been protected. Yeah. And she should have been protected by the law, by a restraining order, by her family, by her friends. I don't think we got the whole story and it absolutely breaks my heart. Yeah. Say something funny. Yeah, that bad mood never really abated, did it, girl? <laughs> Just kind of saw us through the whole <laughs> thing, didn't it? <laughs> you guys, I sat down and Patrick goes, are you mad at me? And I was like, no. I'm In just- a bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
group, Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. It's so fun. We're in there all the time. We're just being silly idiots. But come meet other true crime friends. You're going to have a blast when you get there. Tell them about the Instagram. We also have an Instagram, The Disappeared Pod, where we love when you tag us in your stories. Please tag us. Please tell a friend about our podcast. We love to see our community growing. We love your love. Thank you so much for, you know, putting us on your social media and letting other people hear about us. And also, every Friday night at 6 o'clock, we go live on Instagram to just, like, hang out and be silly. Ellen usually dolls herself up for it. She looks great. She's got great fashion sense. Do you think I do? I do think you do. (laughs) I do not get dressed up, you guys. Do not expect me to come looking like a mill, because I I, I don't really do that. You got those baby blue eyes. Thank you, girl. It's all good to see you. (laughs) Thank you for going on the Instagram with me. It's so nice. You got those cute baby blue eyes. Yeah, so dope. All right, I love you. Bye. The point is, I need to think of another phrase for what the fuck is wrong with people. Right. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) You know where that takes me, right? Where? There's some hoes in this house. There's some hoes in this house. There's some hoes in this house. Okay. Is that what they're saying? Yes. I thought they were saying there's some holes in this house. Are you... Tell me you're joking right now. I'm being dead serious. What, you mean like they put a nail in a wall and took it out and didn't spackle over it? (laughs) I guess so. I hadn't really gotten real deep on what I thought about, but yeah. You were saying there's some holes in this house, Patrick? (laughs) Yes, I did think that. (laughs) Row, row, row your boat all the way fucking over here. What? I don't know. You're saying wicked a lot in this episode. It's almost as though your friend Sharon Bagapotes came to visit. No, she, no, Sharon, no, no. This is a microphone. No, no, Sharon, no. Just let me talk to them. No, Sharon, this is my podcast. I can't keep showing up. I just have some things I want to tell them. No, you don't. Just get away. It's my podcast. No, Ellen, no. We, all, we all know you're the same person, girl. We no. all, we all know it's just you. Huh? I don't we know all- what you're talking about. tarp Sharon oh I'm sorry honey I'm sorry she does she is she is rude as shit it's just extra hurtful because I know it's you're making that joke no that's not me Patrick why do you keep saying that anyway but I was like this girl works at a store called rice chopper I was like what is rice chopper wait what did it say it's it's price chopper but the R was gone yeah I didn't see that so someone said just gonna that let that joke die right there huh a little premature I death for that I joke but see it. I, I guess see it. oh well yo I'll tell you what I want what I really really want so tell me what you want what you really want I want I want a gook I want a gook I want a gook I want a gook 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 g